welcome to Business Talk Sister Gok. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we are going to be doing part two of our series on understanding business taxes. <laughs> okay, but I actually am way more excited than Ruthie about taxes. <laughs> so I am not a huge fan of filing taxes. This year, actually, I was procrastinating so hardcore on writing the subtitles for an episode of the podcast that I was like, I'm just going to do my taxes. And so I did. I, I call that productive procrastination. And <laughs> I'm going to do something that I loathe little less <laughs> so i like it because uh, um it's done i like the feeling when it's done but i i'm not a huge fan of taxes themselves <laughs> okay taxes can be scary but why are they scary for some people because they're a little overwhelming <laughs> but i'm just gonna say right now i once listened to a podcast from planet money which is by npr and they talked about how somebody was evading their taxes and all this stuff. And actually they looked into it and a legitimate excuse in court, if you file your taxes wrong, because our tax system in the United States is so confusing, is that I didn't know. That's a legitimate excuse. <laughs> After that, I was like, I have no fear of doing taxes anymore <laughs> because if I mess up, I'm not the first person. And there's lots of resources available so that you don't mess up. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't need to be afraid of taxes because taxes can actually be an exciting time or filing them, not necessarily the taxes themselves, um, to find ways to reduce them. Mm -hmm. And to me, I see that as free money or money that I can save by looking for my deductions and tax credits. Mm -hmm. So, okay. The first thing you should know about understanding your taxes is that you should have goals and accountability. Mm -hmm. And Ruthie's going to tell us a little bit about that. So that way you don't get behind on your taxes because it's important to file them every year. Yeah. So because I know this about myself that I do not enjoy um, sitting for a long period of time and, and doing taxes and um I know that I need a lot of accountability in that. So I talk to people like Becca who will... um yeah, just poke me every now and then. Hey, have you done this? Hey, have you done this? And sometimes it's more like a punch. Have you done this? <laughs> like, but I need that because, and that's with any hard thing that, or something that I perceive to be very hard in my life is that I know that I need a lot of accountability to be able to actually get it done and do it in a timely fashion. So for me, my goal every year is to get it done two months before the deadline, which is April 15th. So because then it just saves me a lot of, stress and things like that and then I can focus on that deadline as a and it's it's just much less stress for me to focus on that deadline as opposed to like the actual deadline and then I just tell people about that and then say hey this is when I need to get this done can you follow up with me in two weeks and make sure I've done it or make sure I at least started it um so yeah. who should you be talking to in order to get your taxes done well Right now, do not talk to us because we are not certified public accountants. <laughs> Just going to put that disclaimer out there that that is not our title. <laughs> yeah. And so all of the advice we give you today is at your own risk. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, within that, now that we've gotten our disclaimer out of the way, um, when you're talking about doing your taxes, you should think about what professionals you need to have in your life. Okay. Here's the thing. When you pay people for their professional advice, it's because they know what they're doing or they should. So you should make sure to vet those people before you invest. 
I was looking up uh, reviews on this one taxi service, and the basically the review said, if you're looking for someone who is super slimy and just really into doing things under the table, then this is your guy. <laughs> and I just laughed That's, so hard. That's <laughs> a little unfortunate. Yeah. So anyway, look at reviews. They're, they can be very forthcoming with information. <laughs> Another thing to know, though, is that um, a quick tip that I have seen other people use too, if they still do file their taxes with an accountant, um, especially their business taxes or whatever, did you know that you can start the entire process of your taxes on TurboTax for free? You just have to pay for filing. So it'll show you in the little corner, like, here's how much money you're saving or all the stuff. And then they'll ask you all the questions. And if you're going to use an accountant or maybe you just want to do it online, um, but it's a good way to like get all of your paperwork in order is mm-hmm. if you start the process and you don't pay for it and just see like, okay, this is what I need to gather and need to, in order to go into my tax accountant. Mm-hmm. Um, but within that process too, what I have seen is some business people that I've talked to have caught mistakes that their accountant has made. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not all the time that happens is pretty rare, but when you do it yourself and you go through, sometimes it's good just to see where all of your ducks are to, to make sure you're ready. Because the reality is if you're going to hire someone to do your taxes, they're going to charge you by the hour. So mm-hmm. if you have all of your stuff ready to go, it's going to be a lot faster and a lot less expensive. So how often should you be checking in with your accountant about like progress or whatever? How often should you talk to them? So it's really going to depend on the level of volume that you're running in your business. If you have employees, all of that, because there are so many other additional things that you need to file for your employees that I would definitely recommend talking with a certified public accountant Mm -hmm. at that point for sure. Because on the regular, if you're offering any kind of um, compensation for like a 401k plan or health benefits or anything like that, there's tons of different categories of things that you need to set aside and deposit into their retirement and all of those different things. And if you're not doing them, especially with withholding people's money from their paycheck to match it and put it in a 401k, um, you are legally not allowed to hold that money, I believe, for more than 90 days. So that's something that needs to happen quarterly. So when you're talking about that kind of stuff, you should really check in with your accountant, make sure you're doing everything right, at least quarterly for sure. Mm -hmm. If you're working with a bookkeeper or someone who does your payroll stuff on the regular, um, you might be okay doing it quarterly. But if you aren't, you're probably going to want to do it sooner to make sure you have everything lined up. So maybe just touching base like once a month or something like that or two times quarterly. Depending on the complexity of your business Mm -hmm. and how many pieces you have going and and all of that, especially if you do anything within a subcategory that requires more tax information, like say you're going to do rental properties or you own a lot of equity in um, big uh, buildings or whatever, you have to pay a property tax on those things. And it's important to make sure that you're not missing anything when you're going to file everything. Okay. You had mentioned something that um, I think is important to touch on. What is the difference between a subcontractor and an employee when it comes to taxes? Okay. So a subcontractor is someone who works for your business and you usually have a contract with them, but they're not an employee. So they have what we talked about in our last episode as a W-9. So they're filling that out saying, yep, I'm doing services for you. Now, there are some different stipulations on 
what's uh, an, a W-9 employee or not, sorry, that's, that's so confusing. <laughs> Let me just restate that. A subcontractor versus an employee. When you are a subcontractor and you're doing all of your work for one business, that can be a sticky area that you probably shouldn't be in because technically they should be hiring you as an employee at that point. Unless it's a per project contract. Um, so there's like, there's a lot of different categories within that. Um, I am not an expert in that area. So definitely talk with your accountant about how to figure that out. Now, if you are a W-2 employee, it means that you are having all of your social security and um, your probably your state income tax or whatever and your federal pulled out of your paycheck on every paycheck. Mm. As a subcontractor, that's not happening. You have to do that on your own. So when you think about that and those differences, when, as, a, as a business owner, you're responsible for all of the W-2 employees, making sure that those things are being withheld and they're going to the right places so that when that employee files their taxes, the government's not like, where did all this money go? Hmm. And um, one of the questions we had was, do you have to pay in to taxes every year? If you make any money, you need to pay taxes. <laughs> okay, so yes, the answer is yes. But within those different aspects, we need to figure out how those details are, are working. Now, if you're a W-2 employee because you're working for a business, you file your uh, paperwork at the beginning or annually and you readjust. And so um, some people say, well, I'm going to identify as zero or one, meaning one person in my household or if you have a big family, some people put four people, whatever, um, because they have dependents. So they want less of their paycheck withheld for taxes because they want to be able to use that money now. Now, there's a bunch of different people that have different opinions on this. Do you want the government to hold your money so that you get paid some of that back at the end, which really means you didn't need to pay that much money to begin with, but they're holding it for you. Um, and then that's when you get like a check from your tax return. Some people like that because it's a forced savings fund. Other people don't like that because they are more can be more savvy and, and grow that money faster than the government can for them. So um, there's different aspects on W-2s, but that's if you're an employee. If you run a business, you're filing your taxes maybe with multiple 1099s or a couple... Um, so your W-9 is what you originally su submit, right? We talked about in the last episode to the business you're working for or businesses because you have more than one. Um, and then you're filing those 1099s that they give back to you or you're just reporting all of the income you've made because maybe you're only making like $20 per person because you're selling something like pottery or whatever and you're getting that at craft shows. So you're just reporting all of your income that you've made without a 1099 because they're less than $600 transactions. So you're doing that on sometimes your personal income tax if you're a sole proprietor, pass-through, or if you have a more complicated business structure that you file with the government, you're paying it out of and doing your taxes for your specific business. And then on top of that, you're reporting your personal taxes. Um, if you're doing a partnership, that money is dependent on what's getting paid out to you out of the business. So if you have a business bank account and then you have what's called owner draws and that can be your payment if that's how you do it or some people do it just like payroll where they have a specific amount every month that they pay themselves out of their business. 
Now, if that's the way that functions, you're filing that as getting paid as personal income. So it really depends on your business structure, which is why you need to talk to somebody about it or pay for like a program like um, an online tax filing that has, you can upgrade and then get um, specific CPAs on call that can then talk with you about your questions. Mm. So there's different, different aspects of that. The so, next thing that we're going to talk about is home office deductions. And is that, um, that seems kind of like a gray area, but it's definitely something that people are facing right now, especially with COVID and everything. It's a real reality that people are, are looking at. So what deductions and things can you take off if you have a home office? Okay, so tax deductions in general. We just need to recognize there's a difference between a tax credit and a tax deduction. Okay. Now, a credit is money that you are getting, okay, for, for nothing. I mean, well, you, you, you have like a child or something, and oh, that's a credit on your personal taxes, right? Now, there's not a ton of tax credits for businesses, but there are tax deductions, meaning you spent money on this category, and you can actually deduct that as well that's part of my operating costs. Mm-hmm. Um, so a home office is, can be a deduction category, but there's some things that you should think about before you decide to deduct that. If you're paying rent to yourself, um, you can deduct that portion. Oh, well, I put money into paying rent to myself in my house. When you do that, you actually have to think about the long term of your house because you're technically making it commercial in some ways to rent space, right? So when you sell your house, you actually then have to pay additional taxes out of the sale of your house, Mm. which in the long run, if you're having your house for like 20 years, that might be worth it. Absolutely. But if you don't have that house for a very long time, it can actually end up causing you to pay more taxes than if you didn't pay rent to yourself out of your business Mm. even though in the short run every year you can deduct that from your uh, operating expenses so that is a whole area that you can ask a bunch of people about (laughs) i you know i don't know something reddit actually is a great place to ask people about taxes (laughs) (laughs) also they're not certified public accountants so also take that into consideration so what would be an example then of a business credit is that like if you put up solar panels and things like that then your business would get a credit from the government or what um yeah like there's certain credit categories that can be like if you own um a re like you own a brick and mortar business and you do something with your business yeah like maybe it was solar panels but it's dependent on what federal programs are running to incentivize mm. those changes within your business and then also local government or city. Um, so there can be credits or even like if you should totally check out your local economic development authority because mm. sometimes they have little grants or tax credits within that. So uh, a tax credit within Minnesota is the historical tax credit. So mm. if you spend a bunch of money on your business but you're in a historical block of downtown or something like that, um, whatever you spend on renovations, I think it's about 45% tax credit, meaning if you spent $100 when you file your taxes, 
you get 45% back. They're just like, here you go. Here's a credit for doing that and making sure that it's still a historical property. Mm -hmm. Now, the catch with that tax credit is that you actually have to make sure that you have a historical architect to make sure everything is done right and your paint samples look great and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So there's like all these little, make sure you're doing it right um, if you're going to apply for that credit. Mm -hmm. So definitely look at what the requirements are of getting that tax credit before just going out and spending a bunch of money and assuming that the government's going to give you some of that money back. <laughs> I'm just going to do whatever I want. <laughs> look, I painted everything <laughs> and I took out that beam and I just, but look how pretty it looks. And, then, and now there's structural damage. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good plan. Um, talk to me about estimated tax payments. Okay, so a lot of people do what's called estimated tax payments to make sure that they don't have to pay in a ton of money at the end of the year. Mm. Now, this, if you're not good at budgeting your money to make sure you're setting aside that percentage that the government is going to charge you for taxes because you're not a W-2 employee and you have to pay taxes on your own, um, you should do estimated tax payments. And there's different ways to do that, to calculate it. Um, there's some different places online you can. I actually think that um, TurboTax Self-Employed helps you, just shows you based on your deduction so far and everything, this is your estimated tax payment that you need to make quarterly. People do that to just safeguard themselves from filing their taxes at the end of the year and then being like, oh my word, I owe so much money and I don't have that in my bank account because they didn't budget for it. Mm. Um, but also at the same time, if you have a big enough business and you're making enough money, you should be paying your taxes quarterly anyways, because if you're not, then you can get fined mm. with the government at the end of the year because you weren't making those quarterly payments. Mm. So earlier you had mentioned kind of, um, about like paying yourself or out of, um, if you had like a partnership and things like that. So, uh, what does that look like? It seems like it kind of can get pretty sticky if they, you're taking your personal money and paying for business expenses. Um, how do you navigate that? Yeah, so this is something that can be a really, really crazy, dicey situation. Sounds a little scary, but it's really not if you're just very good at being like, I only pay for business expenses out of my business account. Mm. Now, that's super important. Because this is where people can get in a lot of trouble. Even if they filed like a limited liability corporation, whatever, they have an LLC, what, what can happen is that the reason it's called limited liability is because you're setting up a hedge between your personal income and your business income. Mm. And so basically, if there was an issue, say like your, your construction or like a, a, a business that has big trucks, and you accidentally um, backed over something or hit somebody's car or whatever, they can sue you. And if your business is all coming in as income straight to you, they can not only go after the truck you own, they can go after any of your personal assets. Hmm. So your house or whatever else, right? This is with the sole proprietorship they can do that? Yeah, there's less um, coverage. Hmm. There's more liability if you're doing everything out of a sole proprietor than a limited liability company because that separates. Whereas when you have an LLC, if somebody sues you and they win per se, only thing they can take is anything that has been purchased out of your business account. So if you purchase the truck with your business account, then they can only take the truck. They can't go after any of your personal property. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the sticky situation that people can get themselves into is when they start making personal purchases out of their business account or if they start using personal money to buy business things Mm. and if they're not documenting it well so if you're writing off on your taxes so say um well yeah i have a cell phone but i use it for work and for personal use well it's going to ask you are you using it 40 percent of the time for business or personal 60 percent of the time for your business you have to denote that if you're going to say i purchased this phone for work and it was let's say five hundred dollars But if I'm using it 40% of the time for personal use, I need to make sure that I'm documenting it properly, that only 60% of that sole purchase is deductible. Hmm. Because if I don't do that right, what can end up happening is that people can say, okay, you're using your personal stuff for, or you're you're paying in with personal money, all that kind of stuff. Um, There's no longer separation. You've lost that limited liability aspect. And so they can go after your personal stuff. And I've actually seen this happen with some people's businesses before. If they don't have good records of this was for a business purchase, this was a personal purchase, and they make those purchases out of the accounts that are appropriate. Hmm. So... (laughs) <laughs> we are kind of, oh my goodness, we even had way more stuff, but we just do not have the time. <laughs> Ruthie's still like, this is a lot of information. Mm, okay, okay. No, but yeah, you, you've got lots of good stuff. Okay, so we're going to transition to our, our gawk portion today. And <laughs> okay, so this is a story about... I feel like it's very timely in our, our current um, COVID-19 okay. crisis. <laughs> okay, um. so uh, my husband and I, our family, we love trying new foods all the time. And whenever we go to a new place, we, we make a rule that we're not allowed to buy anything that we can eat at home. So we always have to try new stuff. Well, then when we go there and we try something new and we like it, then we have to go home and figure out how to make it ourselves because we don't have access to that restaurant where we live. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the things we experienced when we were in Louisiana was a uh, crawdad boil. And oh my goodness, <laughs> so good. Well, at, in a crawdad boil, you boil like your potatoes, your corn, your crawdads and crab whatever out in a giant like garbage can structure over a fire or something (laughs) outside in a big in a big dumpster can or something (laughs) and like I was always like wow that's really interesting but I got this spice mix this Louisiana crawdad boil spice mix and I don't have any crawdads and I did not have the time to go scavenge them so (laughs) we just used crab but anyways (laughs) I was like I'm gonna make this on the stove and I'm gonna make a mini batch because I don't need a garbage can full Mm -hmm. so um I put the spice mix in this on the stove and my husband and I are like okay we got to put the potatoes in first and this which by the way the best potatoes I have had in a long time (laughs) the best boiled potatoes (laughs) but okay what the reason why they do it outside you guys is because the spices (laughs) get into the air (laughs) and they're spicy and so we're like literally inhaling it was like a, a mace pepper spray in our house. <laughs> and we're all like coughing and like our noses are running. And we're like, oh, oh, oh. and I'm like, okay, we need to air out the house. So we like get a fan and we put it by the window, or whatever. And I'm like, nobody go outside. Everyone's going to think we have COVID. <laughs> so we had to like try to air out our house and live with the spiciness of our, our breathing because I was like, everyone's gonna think we have COVID-19 <laughs> but 
we need to stay inside and suffer through it. <laughs> but lesson learned, you really should not do that. Open air concept is best for crawdad boils. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it was worth it. In the end, mm, the leftovers were amazing. Mm. So well, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, uh, share our podcast with a friend and we will see you again next week.